um, I've been listening to a couple different uh, Christmas songs. In fact, if you see me anywhere, like in Walmart or Kroger or anything, I always had headphones on full blast so I can't hear stuff around me. Um, <laughs> and during this time of the year, I am listening to a Christmas playlist. There are a couple songs that I absolutely hate uh, around the Christmas season and some that are just, I don't know, they're just straight up weird, okay? Um, but I was really enjoying the other day the, um, I don't know what the title of it, but it's the one where they retell a part of the story about the Grinch. It's the Grinch's Christmas thing, and somebody with an old folksy voice is reading a part of how the Grinch is going to, with his empty bag to go steal the presents and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I was listening to some music recently, and I thought about that song, Blue Christmas, and I thought, yeah, Elvis sang that song. He made it really popular. You guys know who Elvis is? Okay, good. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Um, but he did, he made it really popular, this song. And basically what it says is this. It's become a classic, um, but it's not one of those, you know, great songs that's super exciting and joyful. Um, it says, I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue just thinking about you. Decorations of red on a green Christmas tree won't be the same, dear, if you're not here with me. Now, let me give you a little clue. She's not on a vacation or a girl's trip. <laughs> she gone, okay? <laughs> she left him, she gone, okay? So he's really sad, and he says, then in the next lines, he says, and when those blue snowflakes start falling, and every time I hear that, I'm like, I have seen snow a lot in my life. It's never been blue. But anyway, he's, he's getting his point across. That's when those blue memories start calling, You'll be doing all right with your Christmas of white, but I'll have a blue, 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 blue Christmas. Oh, and I think to myself, wow, that's really sad. It's a sad song, but it's a song of the brokenhearted. Um, the last, last week, as well as this week and the weeks leading up to Christmas, we've chosen to go with a series that is themed on different songs. So we said last week that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and we talked about the uh, prophecies that have happened even as far back as Genesis chapter 12 about Christ coming to earth. And then today, as we talk about a blue Christmas, it is a serious thing because there are many of us uh, that might be brokenhearted during this time. Uh, there might be pain that's fresh, and there's things that we might need to deal with, whether they're family stuff, whether it's the loss of a loved one maybe since last Christmas. Um, I spoke to somebody yesterday and had a few minutes of ministry with an older gentleman, and um, he lost his dog, and they had him for 15 years. And bless his heart, he was crying, and he was, I mean, he's thinking about his wife and what they're going to do this year because they always did some silly stuff with the, with the dog, and now the dog's no longer with them. And I thought, you know what, even things like that, really can cause a giant, I guess, drag on this holiday season, you know, stuff that can kind of weigh us down and really burden us. Um, but I want to share with you today some practical ways to help you avoid getting the blues this time of year. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had a blue Christmas? You feel like you had a sad Christmas. It's not just because you didn't get what you wanted, but like there's, you know, something that went on in our lives that caused it to be that way. Um, I want to help you avoid letting this year be a year that you have a blue Christmas. But here's something really important. I don't want to give too much away, but one of the reasons why we talk about this is a blue Christmas, really, there's a lot of contributing factors, but one of those can be that we're too focused on ourselves. 
and we're not focused on others. We're thinking sad thoughts about us, but maybe we're missing out on something else. So I also wanna give you tools, if it's not you who's dealing with it, I wanna give you tools though to help others because you might have a friend or a spouse or somebody who might get a bad case of the blues around this time of year. And so we wanna talk through those things. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two, and we'll be reading um, a portion of scripture. Um, We have some technical difficulties today. Normally we have them up on the screen, but we don't have that availability today. So uh, just grab your Bible. You can go on our Wi-Fi and you can open up the Bible app and go to Luke chapter two. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, good. So let's go to verse 25. I'll read from the English Standard Version and it says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Let me stop there and just pause and help you in this one small thing. Gary Davis is sitting here today. My name is Dexter Bambera. Jesus did not have a last name that was Christ. Okay, that's his title. And that's meant for us to understand he's the savior of the world. So when it says the Lord's Christ, it's truly saying it's the Lord's salvation that's being given to us. So it says there, verse 27, I love this part. And he came in the spirit into the temple. Some of y'all ought to get in the spirit before you get to the church, amen? All right. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Verse 34, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It's an interesting thing that Luke does in his writing that we see here, this uh, account of the birth of Jesus and the details that happened after the birth. And there are a couple things that I wanna talk about, but I want you to think about this thing. There are witnesses to the birth of Christ. There are those shepherds who came that night. Um, I would encourage you to really truly check out the story in the Bible because some of the details we believe based on popular videos and stuff like that is not necessarily true. Wise men weren't in the room that night when Mary gave birth. I don't want to bust your bubble, but I just want you to think about the details of what happened. There were witnesses, not just Mary and Joseph being there, but there were also shepherds who were coming. They they found the baby uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, the Bible says. And then it's funny how Luke picks one man and one woman 
to be those who testify to the significance of who Christ is, who this baby really is. So he chooses two witnesses to give us the account. After the passage that we read about Simeon, the next talks about a prophetess and her name is Anna, who gives essentially a prophecy and begins to um, tell everybody This is he who we've been waiting for. Kind of what we've been referencing during our worship set earlier, uh, that he is the long-awaited Messiah. So the consolation of Israel, going back, I want to break down a couple verses in the passage. In verse 25, when it says that Simeon had been waiting for the consolation of Israel, you might appreciate this. There is a word used in the, in the New Testament that is used for the Holy Spirit. That word is a pronoun, it's for a person, and it is the Greek word paraclete, okay? It's strange for us to say Greek language in everyday American English, but it's something interesting I want to point out to you. Paraclete with a capital P is the personal pronoun in Greek for the Holy Spirit. This word that's translated waiting for the consolation of Israel is also the same word used of the Holy Spirit. He is to be our comforter. He is to be our companion. He is to be truly God with us after Jesus left. We know of the story in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit was given and poured out to the church in order to be with them for the remainder of human history. That's pretty incredible. And so essentially another way you could look at it is he was waiting for the culmination of events to happen. He was waiting for the comfort of the entire nation and people of Israel. And it says, and the Holy Spirit was on him. I love how it says it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. There are details in our lives, in your life and in my life, that we need the Holy Spirit's help in. Even during this time, like around Christmas, we need him every single day, amen? So he was upon him, the Bible says, and it was revealed, this knowledge was given to him by the Holy Spirit that he was going to see the Messiah before he died. I had this challenging thought to myself. Now, I'm just gonna tell you what I said to myself and you take it for what it is. But I wondered this. What must his prayer life have been like for the Holy Spirit to have told him specifically about the only thing in history that really truly matters? about the fact that there was going to be a Messiah and he was going to come in his day and in his time. That's incredible when you think about it. Notice that his parents, though, were fulfilling the law of Moses. They were presenting Jesus at the temple. There's a lot of detail in there that I don't want to get bogged down in, but they were following the laws that had been written hundreds and even thousands of years before Christ came. They were following those things and presenting Jesus at the temple. They were following the rules that had been established for their people by God himself. Jesus definitely is a product of God's handiwork, but he also followed everything that the law asked. Then we see that Simeon acknowledges that Jesus is salvation. The name Jesus that we get and that we use as Jesus in the Jewish language in the Hebrew, you would have heard them say something that sounds very close to Joshua, 
okay, or to Yeshua, okay, is another way of saying it. In the Hebrew, that literally means God saves or God is my salvation. So when they're there presenting him before the people who are there and they're presenting Jesus as was their custom to do, when they, after he had already been probably at this point six weeks old, is what I've read, that he's probably at that point. Mary is there. She's to give a sacrifice uh, for herself. And we also find that Mary and Joseph are not rich. They're not well off. The Bible says they offered what was told of in the Mosaic law, a poor man's offering when they came to church that day. So he's just like you and I, amen? He is just like you and I, no matter where you come from. But so Simeon acknowledges that Jesus is salvation and he says that striking phrase, which is there and it says, he is to be, in verse 32, a light for revelation. Another way to think about that is the illumination of the Gentiles. It's for the light bulb to click on. It's for the power to get to that, to that source and to be able to have the light come on for even us as Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. I find it so interesting that the Bible calls him a righteous and a devout man who lived there and who was there in the temple that day. So he would have been Jewish. I mean, his name is Jewish as well. And here he is first stating that the salvation is coming, not just for the Jews, but also for you and for me. And that's an incredible thought when you really think about it. Simeon then blesses them and he speaks to Mary a clear word about the future. And that Jesus will not have an easy road ahead of him, and neither will she. What a letdown. <laughs> I thought this was all good news and great joy and happiness and all of these things. But in this moment of all of that celebration, there's the acknowledgement that reality is going to come. And that there will be moments that are very challenging in the future for both Mary as a mother, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus as well. So I started to think about Simeon in this story. And you say, Pastor, how do you connect a blue Christmas with Simeon? This looks like the culmination of hope in these moments. But I started to think this might not be the first time Simeon was standing there in the temple, kind of going like this, looking around to see if he saw what he thought he was going to see. He probably had days where he had prayed and where he maybe felt significantly confident in himself that, hey, today could be the very day that God comes through, only for the sun to go down and for him to return and to say, it didn't happen yet. But he held on to this hope in the midst of all of that. So he anticipated that the Savior would be born. And he had the confidence that he had because he had heard from the Holy Spirit. And that is the key. He had heard from God himself. And when God makes a promise, he will not break it. He won't change it. He won't do anything to break his own word and his own promise. And Simeon had this confidence that he was going to see um, the, the hope of Israel and the Gentiles in those moments. And so I can imagine, though, that he had been let down a time or two, and he refused to give up hope. If you've ever been disappointed, and I know I have, disappointment can lead to a, another D word we call despair. Especially if you get disappointed and you, you know, 
knock the dust off and you get up again and you get disappointed again. And then you get knocked down and you get back up and you get disappointed again. You can find yourself in a place of despair and that really can make for a blue Christmas like the song says. But when we have our hope that's anchored in God and in his son, he will never disappoint. That's an incredible thought at this time of year that even though you might be disappointed with the gift you get or the gift you give, maybe it doesn't turn out to be like you wished or whatever, some of us will face some disappointment. It'll be light. Some of us in the coming year, as we think about what's happened this past year, we may have regrets that we have as disappointments right now. Or going into the new year, we may have kind of set our expectations pretty low because we don't want to get ourselves psyched up about something and then feel that let down. But sorrow and grief are natural earthly experiences. This doesn't limit our pain. Just because we experience these things, it doesn't mean that we're guaranteed that we won't have pain. In fact, our pain is increased in moments of sorrow and grief. And pain around this time of year is a real thing. There are those, and I think some even in this room today, that might be hurting already. The sweet memories of Christmas past, maybe, um, are mixed with sadness and pain as we think about the loss of the, the person that we love, or we think about maybe a relationship that's broken, or we think about something that didn't come through this year the way that we had thought. And maybe it's the first Christmas that they're experiencing this. Maybe somebody else is standing in the way of your celebration. Maybe there's a, an issue with a relationship that needs fixing. Maybe for you, it's a lonely time. I know for some of us, it can be a lonely time. Uh, me, away from my parents, I can just share it with you honestly. I get sad this time of year. Uh, they live in a little tiny place in Naples, Florida, away from me, uh, the good son, okay? <laughs> uh, far away from me, the good son. And, um, and I, I just, I thought the other day about getting gifts and I thought, well, you know, I wish I was there to celebrate it with them. They're older, but not like elderly yet, you know, but like, I just, I feel that separation. So maybe for them, it would be lonely. I know for me, it will be, um, we'll have time with Amy's family and I love them and I'm excited to be with them. Um, and I didn't say that just for the tape. <laughs> I really do love them and I love spending time with them. Uh, but I think about my own family and I think about maybe those of us here today who might be experiencing some loneliness. And here's the kicker. You can experience loneliness even in a crowded room, sometimes even more so. You might be lonely today. You might have regrets. You might have some unmet expectations. Maybe you had a hope that God would come through some way, somehow this year. And you're thinking, hmm, I'm counting down the days, still hasn't happened. But I believe that there is hope. So for us who are heading into this season, all of us together, I wanna encourage you, if it's not you who is that person, have your antenna up as it were, and know and be sensitive to the people who are around you during this time of year. Don't just brush past them and say, hey, how are you? Okay, Merry Christmas, and run by. But really take a moment to, to experience whatever it is they're experiencing. And I want us to have this hope that can only be found in the one true God. He is the hope of the world. The Buddhist doesn't have the same hope. The Muslim doesn't have the same hope. 
Those who are non-believers or atheists, they do not have the same hope. We are the only ones who possess the hope of the world. Think about that. It's worth shouting it from the rooftops, amen? So we are told that Christmas to Christians should be the happiest time of year. Um, and it's, in, it's definitely an opportunity to be joyful and grateful with family and friends and coworkers and things like that. But I came across something interesting and I wanted to share it with you. It says, according to the National Institute of Health, Christmas is a time of year that people experience a high incidence of depression. That hospitals and even police forces report high incidences of suicide and attempted suicide. Psychiatrists, psychologists, and other mental health professionals report significant increases in patients who are complaining about things that would be known as depression or feelings that are leading towards depression. One survey I read reported that 45% of people dread the holiday season. That's 45% of those who are part of the, the survey. But that there are people who are really hurting in this world is not a new revelation to us. But it ought to be something that grips our heart during this time of year, especially when we're celebrating the hope that we have. So what should we do if we find ourselves having a blue Christmas? Um, maybe we're with friends, like I said, or maybe uh, you're married and your spouse is having a blue Christmas. Um, here are a few things that I want to give you, and they're serious tips. So if you're taking notes, take them down, because that would be really helpful. Um, so you can go back to this message and think about it. When it comes to something like depression, we have medical professionals in the room, and I think they would agree with me, you need to seek out qualified mental health professionals if you really feel like you're experiencing something more than just a passing thought of, I'm kind of sad I'm not going to be with my parents this year. If you have something else that might be a larger burden than that, seek some actual help from a qualified professional. Seek it from the word of God. Obviously, we're here and we do that together. And that's why we join together and we sing songs and we celebrate. And we want to partner and be the shoulder for you to cry on and share that pain with. But if you need to work through some issues, there is nothing wrong with saying, I need somebody to help me through this. The next thing to do is to set some personal boundaries. <laughs> this is going to get into some muddy water for you, okay? Um, I hope you take it with all the sugar you need, okay? But if you go broke this holiday season, that's poor money management, and it's your fault. Oh, it got quiet. I knew it would. <laughs> but here, set some boundaries on the, the money that you spend on gifts, Set some boundaries on the number of social activities. I know, you're like, what? <laughs> Set a boundary on that? No, I say yes to everything. Don't, because that can lead to anxiety and stress and all of that stuff. In fact, we as a church practice that as an organization. We cut off our small groups starting the week before or, or earlier than Thanksgiving, and the whole month is given to just family time and other stuff. We shut down our offices here at the church for the entire week, and we consider that vacation time for Thanksgiving. We do the same thing around Christmas. I would encourage you to do the same thing. Limit what you say yes to in this season because really it causes a lot of undue stress. Come on, say amen. It'll get me to go faster. See, I knew somebody would catch on that. Don't accept any perfect 
representation of Christmas that anyone tries to make you believe. Now you say, pastor, this sounds like self-help stuff. You don't have a Bible verse to back up all these things. Listen, they're important practical steps for you. And I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna say it. If you're sitting at home watching nothing but Hallmark movies, you're not living a Hallmark life, then maybe you ought to just think about changing the channel every once in a while. Not because I'm hating on Hallmark, okay? It's just because it's a fairy tale. Not everything has a happy ending. In fact, I'm kind of concerned. I think it's only in the movies that they have those happy, crazy endings where, you know, you didn't even play the lottery, but someone gives you a billion dollars, okay? That only happens in the movies. You know, like the fairy tale wedding and, and spouse relationship and all that stuff. It takes work. It's ugly. It involves yelling. It's right. Okay. Amen. Somebody's amen. All right. And that wasn't my wife for the record. Uh, it does. It, it takes work guys. So don't accept the perfect representation of Christmas. Okay. Um, Here's another thing that's really good for you. Think about this and share it with a friend. And I, if I can be honest, I struggle with it a little bit. Don't look at my wife because she'll say a lot of it. Be present. And don't worry about the presence as much as you be present and just enjoy each moment. Um. Sometimes it's so easy for us to just rush through life. And I know you got gifts to buy and places to go and things to do, but take a moment and really every day, spend some time with the Lord and let him be the source of all abundance because he's got peace for you. He's got joy. He's got healing for the thing that hurts your heart. He's got all of that stuff. And we're not going to get that just by listening to some Christmas carols. We're going to get that from time in his presence as well. So spend time in his presence and then be present yourself. Here's another thing. Do something. Do something outside of yourself. Um, we had a college student who chose to give some stuff for our coffee station, uh, some beverages and stuff like that uh, for the Christmas decorating party. Doesn't this look good in here, y'all? Come on, doesn't it look great in here? Um, and they weren't even present, but they wanted to do something by dropping off some hot chocolate and some eggnog and that kind of thing. Do something, give something, serve in some way. This is a perfect opportunity to do what your pastor has been telling you about, which is be a good neighbor. Be a good neighbor. You never know. You never know what God might have in store in the relationship that gets built between you and just simply the person who lives next door to you. If we just have an open heart to give, to serve, to do something. Um, another thing is this, be grateful for what you already have instead of focusing on what you don't. Because every, because I, I was watching a game last night and every single commercial was, you need this new car. You need this new thing. You need that. I mean, like they're just shouting it about everything to make me feel bad about the stuff that I have because they want more of my money. But I need to just hunker down and I really need to just be grateful for what I already have in my life. And be grateful, not just for the stuff, but for the people that God still has in your life. 
Be thankful for those he's gifted into your life for a season or for a certain reason. Amen? Here's another thing. Take part in church activities. I found this one on a Psychology Today website. And I I was reading through and I was going to put it in my notes. And I thought to myself, wait, somebody who's just a psychologist who's writing something as a helpful tool for others literally said, take part in church activities that focus on the bigger meaning of Christmas. Come on, y'all. That's good. So you say, well, how can we do that? You can do that by just listening to my announcement earlier and showing up to Christmas Carol next week. It's that simple. It's just something little that builds relationship and friendship and camaraderie between us. And then it does something to impact others. You can partner with us to bless the Ronald McDonald House, like we said. Maybe you don't have time next Sunday, but you could give something in the offering to bless um, those, those that we are serving in the Ronald McDonald House. Here's another thing. Invite others to a Christmas activity. I know I just told you start saying no to some activities, but if you're going to something or something like that, invite others. Be open to inviting others, especially if you feel like there might be loneliness there or other things that are going on. We will be having a regular service on Christmas Eve Sunday, but it'll be an abbreviated service. It'll be by candlelight. We'll have some uh, low lights in here. We'll sing some Christmas carols. We'll have a time of communion as we'll actually have communion offered every Sunday this month, um, just in case you miss next Sunday or you're not with us on that Christmas Eve Sunday. We wanna take part in celebrating, listen to me, church, the culmination of what Christmas means is that Christ came to die and to be resurrected, not just to stay dead, but to become made new again and alive again. And he did that for our sake. So we as Christians, we co-mingle. We put that stuff from Easter and Christmas together because rightfully so, we have the vision for the future knowing he's going to now live after the birth for 30 plus years and then he's going to die a gruesome death and he's going to be resurrected all for me. All for you. So focus your thoughts on all the good things about Christmas and focus on others, not yourself. I am so serious. Can I just go back to the money thing? Don't overspend. People get depressed in January when they get the bills. I'm trying myself not to overspend. Yes, my kids are cute. Yes, they deserve the world. Yes, my wife deserves everything she wants, but I can't always do that and I gotta set limits. So set limits. Tell them, say, my pastor told me I can say no to this, (laughs) okay? Set limits, okay? And think about this. You have unlimited opportunities, to engage in something so simple like loving kindness or generosity. (laughs) We are the talk of our little neighborhood at this point, only because two weeks ago, my wife made like three or four pecan pies and handed them out. And everybody can't stop talking about it. Some guy, you know, he said it was better than his grandma's. It was, I mean, it's that good. If you've had it, I know you, <laughs> uh, she'll take orders maybe for Christmas. You want to do a, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's just something simple like generosity, even like that. You say, well, I don't have a hundred dollars to put in the offering for Ronald McDonald House. So what? Give what you can, do what you can, serve how you can. And don't forget this last one. Have a heart full of gratitude. 
don't let the spirit of the Grinch get into your, into your life. Let the Holy Spirit be the one who's there. I want to read a, another passage of scripture as we wrap up and the worship team comes, they can come right now if they want to. And I'll read this passage of scripture and then I'm gonna give you a challenge um, today. And if some of you might be thinking, well, pastor, he did, uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas last week. He did blue Christmas today. What will be next week? Um, you know, we did live in Hawaii, so I was thinking we would do Mele Kaliki Maka is the, no. Um, we are going to focus on two Christmas carols of the season over the next two Sundays and talk about those things that are important. Um, Romans chapter 15, though, if you have your Bible and you want to go there, go there with us. And I'm going to read a short passage of uh, scripture here that talks about Jesus Christ being our hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 8 to 13. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. So what it's saying there is, I tell you that Christ became a servant to the Jews to show God's faithfulness. Verse 9, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. Verse 12 says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. We are the Gentiles, amen? And this is about us, that we can join in with God's people and become his very people by the spirit of God. And we can praise him and thank him and we can hope in him. And I love verse 13, it says this, may the God of hope, he's the king of it all. If your hope's based on a 401k, you're gonna have faulty hope. If your hope's based on a vacation that's going to come someday, or a promotion that's going to come someday, or something else, you're basing it in the wrong place. The Bible says here in verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that the power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound or stay in hope. So Christ is our hope. Would you stand with us today? I think about this song that we talked about, Blue Christmas, and I think here are two different challenges. And I know it might sound weird coming out, but this is really what I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. The truth is God himself would have a blue Christmas without you. He'd be really sad because the Bible says in John 3, 16, that he sent his son so that none should perish, right. but that all should have everlasting life. And if it's up to me, I'm gonna do my part to make sure that I am not allowing the God of the universe to have sadness in his heart because I'm not gonna say yes to him. I'm going to say yes to him. I don't want him to have a blue Christmas. The other thought is that you and I will have a blue Christmas if we have one without him. If we worry about all the trappings and trimmings, all the, the stuff, the gifts, all of that sort of stuff, and yet we don't have him, we don't really have Christmas. 
So in this season and just in this next moment, I want you to go ahead and stop looking at me and just close your eyes. I just want you to close your eyes and focus in on him. The worship team is gonna sing a song and then I'll come back up and I'll give you some encouragement to go get communion. But I just want us to draw near to him today, thinking about these thoughts and saying, Lord, have your way in me. Whatever it is you wanna do, you can have all of me.